Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, виде Его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец, Сын, Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We note that this promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to his students. Therefore, those people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them, pouring out, therefore, using His delegated ones to pour out the blessing upon the righteous and curses upon the unrighteous. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within your heart that we have concealed in our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word in the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart? And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law, so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant, which symbolizes the resurrection of Christ, so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected, and in this way obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, in 
order to give God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, similar to how he gave this to Abraham and his seeds. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13 Further, we've noted that the righteousness of faith making us heirs of the peace of God is determined by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the preached word of the delegated of God and that person who represents a father that is sent to us by God. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people that obey the order of God that functions within the body of Christ, which contains a hierarchical structure of theocracy where God sends us his word using the mouth of his delegated ones. The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated one. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace in the format of the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are children of God, testimony for ourselves that we are the children of God. If we don't have a specific type of testimony, and we say we're children of God, then we deceive ourselves because specifically the fruit of righteousness that is grown in the Eden of our heart that reveals itself in the covenant of peace, which is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in, in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. The fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us within the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads, serving as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God. And this seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual, serving as an atmosphere of life and peace, and this is the mind of Christ within our spirit as the thoughts of earth or worldly things is the seal of the beast. Those who meditate of things of the world, who want to use gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing and blessings for the sake of their flesh, for their own personal appearance, popularity, to see how their spirit, show people how they're spiritual. And this is unfortunate. To be carnally minded is death. This is the seal upon the foreheads. The thoughts of a person identify him, whether he has the seal or mark of the beast or mark of God, so that we understand this fact. The scriptures say what kind of mind you have is how you are, your thoughts. Your thoughts identify your essence, who we belong to. If we meditate about the things of the hills, about the things that are spiritual, then this is a seal. This is the seal of God upon our forehead. If we meditate about the things of the world, then this is the seal of the beast or mark of the beast upon our forehead and not some kind of made-up chip that people invented. When this idea of the chip was, was brought forth or introduced, because today we have these chips upon the credit cards and, and phones, and but for some reason they're afraid of a chip that somehow will be implanted into them somehow or be injected into them uh, consciously or unconsciously. If 
the leadership of the country wanted to manipulate you, control you with a chip, they would never put it into a vaccine or another shot. They'd put it into another beverage. Uh, you wouldn't even know about it. And you would drink water and this chip would be in you if it was in some kind of liquid form, as if that was even possible. Uh, in the past, people thought that the seal or mark of the beast was uh, the passport. I knew people even that attended our service that sat uh, in prison for 10, 15 years uh, because he refused to have a passport, because he thought this was the mark of the beast. Today, this uh, idea of, ch of the chip, the, uh, liquid chip, some kind, of some kind, uh, your the seal or mark of the beast is what's in your mind, what you put into you, what you listen to. What we're talking about food that is uh, imperishable or food that is non uh, non hard foods. We're talking about things that are in your mind, what's upon your in your heart, what's upon your mind. This will be either the mark of the beast or the mark of God. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And if a person cannot please God, then of course he does not have the guarantee of salvation. According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who reject the condition to have their faith obeyed, the faith of God, do not have any relation to the peace of God and are not able to. And consequently, such people cannot have any relation to the sons of peace either, as the sons, uh, as they uh, will, would have inherited the salvation in the kingdom of heaven if they were. We need to understand well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Jesus Christ that we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is fulfill our calling this is our calling to have our body adopted by the redemption of Christ we need to enter into the presence of God as an intercessor to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ because God's goal in creating the body of man when he created the body of man it was to live in that body but God lost his temple because of the disobedience of the first Adam and reobtained it in the second Adam that taking the body, form of the body, he was born from Mary and we in him are able to inherit eternal life that is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ so that it become the temple of the Holy Spirit and so that the Spirit of God can live there and God, the eternal God, can live there. We stop to study the fourth question by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace and therefore are, this identifies us as the sons of God and as His holiness, because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves that we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, that is joyful, are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9, and this is not the only place of Scripture. And so people who have the peace of God in their heart, that nothing can uh, affect that peace, either the uh, betrayal of, of a spouse or someone close to you, the loss of a job, any kind of accusation, any kind of illness or even death itself cannot 
affect that peace. He will be completely in peace and he will rejoice that he is, God is with him regardless of the situation or your inner circumstance. We need to not forget that if a person has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his life in the flesh, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into that format of the fruits of righteousness, where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of God's inheritance of peace that can be so that we can then bear in our our righteousness fruits of this peace and so if they have not died for these three the crown of righteousness that is being prepared for them will be taken from them the crown of righteousness is the fruit of righteousness the crown was supposed to give the person the right to the promise of peace where he would have been called the son of God and so it depends on us it's not depending on God we will be the ones at fault if the crown will be taken from us and given to another. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelation 3.11. The fruit of righteousness within our heart in the format of the peace of God is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace, which serves as proper foundation for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace. And this consists in leading us into the inheritance of His Son, so that we can share with His Son the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in the Lost Prophets and Psalms. And the goal of God is to live in the body. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God, and we stop to study the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. A selective love is a holy love. Holy is always separating the pure from impure, holy from unholy, good from evil, and so God's love is selective. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. And so the love of God can only rule within the atmosphere of peace. If we have this covenant of peace with uh, with God, between us and God, then God's love can be there, but it can rule in one body, in the body of Jesus Christ. And so that is in the church, that in scripture is called the good wife that has that has the virtue of the narrow gate because by her we receive grace who finds the good wife obtains grace and so it's talking about such a church such a congregation that in the eyes of God is the good wife the infrastructure is the theocracy of God the power of God's love where there is no place for uh, the plagues of the democratic structure that is destroying the body of Christ instead of instead of accepting God's delegated people they choose for themselves people that are uh, deceivers that that uh, the count, a council of, of, of brothers and to make decisions and this is as a plague and God will destroy this plague from the body 
According to this place of scripture, the rule of the peace of God within our heart is only possible upon one condition, and that is if the known by a selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into its burning zeal. And so it has within itself the law of holiness, the law of death, a burning, it's as strong as death. And so death, death has always existed in God, in, in His holiness, this burning holiness, it's as strong as death. Because it is holy, it separates. It is a positive nature of death that separates a person f- to God. He separates him from a midst in which he's in and puts him into a, a midst, a place where it's with him. Comprehending the holy and selective love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect so that we can obtain the ability like God to be vigilant over his word that we have concealed into our heart so that we can shine our sun upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the righteous and the unrighteous in accordance to the implemented within our heart law of God as a blessing for one and as a punishment for another. It's written that he, in his hands, he has these clouds and he sends them to the earth so that they can fulfill his command in in order to favor one and punish another. In Scripture, the selective love of God, the holy love of God, is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2-8. These are the qualities of the fruits of righteousness. These are the fruits of righteousness. These are not separate. Uh, There's more of one, less of another. This is all together and have a surprising balance one with the other. In its essence, the love of God, agape, is a sovereign love that is unconditional, but specifically in regards to those persons that she has selected in her ability to foreknow and predestine according to her will. Because God from the begin from the crea- beginning or from the creation of the world, He knows He will uh, when we hear the truth, we'll not spit in His face, but we'll follow that truth and we'll deny ourselves. Because to follow the truth, you need to deny yourself, deny your nation, the house of your father and your life, and take the cross and follow Christ. And those who don't do this and follow cannot be my disciple, those who do not take up their cross and follow, those who do not uh, leave all the things that we've listed. In its essence, the love of God agape is a sovereign love. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God will never violate the sovereign rights of those people she has selected and never allows her own sovereign rights, her her boundaries of burning holiness, to be violated. In a specific format of the seven characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already looked at the five and stopped to study the six. This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God, agape, and brotherly love. 
In the Holy Scriptures, the level of power of the selective love of God functioning within the atmosphere of brotherly love is discovered and known exclusively by the level of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 Practically, Apostle Paul took this phrase, this was the uh, 43rd Psalm. David talked about this. I am amazed how the apostles, Christ himself, took from the Psalms of David. Practically, the scriptures of the New Testament, more than 70% is founded upon Psalms of David. And and so, when people say, why are you uh, preaching to us this a fornicator. He is not a fornicator because if he is, you are also. When a person forgives or God forgives a person their sins, then God blots the sin out. And you know, when David had sinned, God blotted out the sin because he acknowledged the sins that he had done. And Prophet Nathan told him, uh, Nathan told him that you are forgiven and this, you will not die. God is faithful to his word and when we confess our sins and we acknowledge them, God literally blots out our sins by the blood of his son and there is no more memory in his mind that this sin had ever been done. And we need to keep also in mind that the sin of David that he had done did not come from his heart. He d- it, it was not something living in his heart. It came as a stranger uh, uh from uh, externally and not from the internally not from his heart when sin comes from your heart it you will not be forgiven but it, when it's outwardly it makes you a servant or slave to it then you shout out to God and say Lord deliver me from these lusts these ambitions these desires because I hate them because a person in him does not then have the nature in himself of it he has a nature in himself but he doesn't it doesn't live in his heart evil which demonstrates itself in a person in his hatred that comes from his jealousy and his pride and good which demonstrates itself in a person in love which comes from brotherly love are programs therefore the carriers of them are people a program for it's by itself can't do anything whether it be godly or demonic why because a program without somewhere to work or some way to function you need to put it into something to uh, activate it and so the heart of a person is being fought for so that it become the system that's used for that program and so either then will uh, demonstrate the program then of God or the devil depending on the person and what he chooses therefore to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers which are their programmable systems the Lord tests the righteous but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates upon the wicked he will rain coals fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup you see this is not a tolerant love this is death. This is a love that is death for specific people and life for others. And so when we have such a holy love in ourselves, then we are God's fragrance. That for one is a foul odor and for the other is a pleasant odor. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5 through 7. In the original, when it says be, uh, his countenance beholds the upright, means his countenance, the face of a person is 
It fascinates God. It, he is attracted to that face. He falls in love with that face. He is inspired by that face. He is at rest. Relevant to this, as in the previous components of the virtue of God in His unique toward us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven components that we have listed above, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue discovering itself in the heart of man, in the love of God, agape, coming from brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose in demonstrating our faith in the love of God agape called to fulfill coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the Third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate in our faith the love of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love? First condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love. We stopped to study this one because the importance of it, we are spending more time, uh, depending on the importance, we spend either less or more time on subjects. This is, uh, again, gives God the proper ground to pour out His love into our heart. This is demonstrating salt as the fruit of holiness within your faith. We cannot uh, demonstrate or have a relationship that is pure without salt or holy. You are the salt of the earth, but if you salt, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 this is also listed or written in all of the four Gospels. <clears throat> According to the revelation of Scripture, the presence of salt representing the quality of holiness is formed in man because of his total dedication to God. When a person dedicates himself to God, <clears throat> when you begin to, say, marinate a specific uh, vegetable such as a cucumbers or other, because there's every... Uh, type of food has in itself the uh, process of decay and so when you add salt to these uh, vegetables then it preserves the vegetable and it does not decay uh, it preserves it and that's how you then marinate the vegetables and so this is Again, because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification, specifically presenting your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, for good service, clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and Every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt, Mark 9, 49 and 50. When 
a person becomes an offering, you are upon the altar, salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. I shall remind us that all, though all of the sheep by nature are pure animals, the one that becomes holy, however, is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering. As it says, so it shall be salted. Every offering shall be seasoned with salt. We will have the salt of holiness when we will be upon the altar, when we, by the law, will die for the law in by the in the death of in the body of Jesus Christ we die for our nation the house of our father and our corrupt desires our life in the flesh because of this we conclude that if our offering which is our prayer intercession is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering so it can be salted with the fire of holiness we do not have the right then to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God and consequently are not able to have the legitimate status to the right to enter into the presence of the Lord we can pray as much as we want, we can uh, religiously be satisfied, but uh, they haven't approached God. People think if they prayed, they've approached God. No, if you don't have holiness, if you don't have salt in yourself, then you have not approached God, then you have just satisfied your religious ego. Holiness is the state of our heart, which demonstrate itself in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then followed by acts drawing upon us God's favor, His mercifulness, pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. The attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundary of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into the sons of resistance and destruction. And so you can't demonstrate or to shine your sun and pour out your rains for good upon the wicked which are haters of the truth and call themselves Christians. If you were a Christian, you would not resist the truth, you would love the truth. You hate the truth, you pervert the scriptures for the benefit of your flesh because this is your more beneficial to you. You don't have to pay the price of your nation, the house of your father, and your life in the flesh. Therefore, demonstrating the fruit of holiness in prayer is confirming your origin, giving us the proper foundation to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Therefore, the quality of holiness demonstrated by us in prayer gives us the right to enter into the presence of God, which we demonstrate to God as evidence that we are holy, that we are born from God, because a holy God cannot bear unholy children and unrighteous children. You're born from God, yes. You're holy, no. You're righteous, no. Why? But I'm striving to be, they say. But why can't you acknowledge the fact that you're righteous and holy? Well, this is arrogance to say that I'm righteous. How? When I see all of these things, these terrible things in myself, but I haven't denied uh, holiness. I strive for it, righteousness. But this is not according to Scripture. This is how people have... Uh, these are conclusions of men and not God. In essence, only those that are holy are able to demonstrate the interests of the holiness of their God by completing their sanctification, pursuing the goal of dedication in order to serve God. I shall remind us that the word holiness is born from God. 
born for God, coming from God. This is talking about our new person, not what you feel, but what you know. Abiding in God, belonging to God, abiding in God, personal possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God, entering into the lot of God, sharing the power of authority with God, and so forth. There are more of them also. It can be expanded further. The identification of who we are in Jesus Christ and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and what we need to do in, to inherit everything that Jesus Christ has done for us. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical to the heart of God. Because God bears those in His likeness, holy and righteous people. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of the heart, which serves as a unique argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, giving God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens to us so that he can then show us his favor. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. That is, scatter my enemies that are within me that have uh, come against me. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners. The uh, hand of foreigners these are works of the flesh these are not people uh, from without these are the works of the flesh coming from the flesh and he prays that God deliver him from them whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood I will sing a new song to you O God on a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you the one who gives salvation to kings who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword Psalm 144 5-13 we more than once have paid attention to the fact that our prayer in the form of a new song is called to bow down the heavens for us. This is the home of God and the kingdom of God. In scripture, the phrase to bow down the heavens when it comes to the relationship of God with man means to incline your ear. To bow down the heavens, God will bow them down. He will incline his ear. He will listen attentively, turn his eyes to what is good for man, become a stronghold or a place of refuge. He will become a covering for man. He will occupy a circle of defense, that circle of defense around a man, making your enemies flee, and he will strike your enemies. This is what it means to bow down the heavens when it's God bowing down the heavens for man. In order to give God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us so that he can pour out his love into our heart, it is necessary to present to God arguments of our origin in demonstrating the fruit of holiness exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love. As holiness is the demonstration of the fruit of righteousness that is brought by a holy person or a person that is born from God. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life, Romans 6.22. Your fruit to holiness means you became dead to sin and living for God. That's what fruit to holiness. And so it killed sin in you and you 
have been killed for to sin. According to this place of scripture, we can conclude that until a person is freed from sin by casting off the old man, he cannot become a servant of God so that he can demonstrate the salt of holiness. Therefore, to demonstrate the salt of holiness, it is necessary to first be holy and be born by hearing the imperishable seed of the word of God. To hear is one thing, but here to obey what than to obey what is heard. It's very important. It's necessary to be born from hearing uh, and obeying uh, the words of God, uh, collaborating your faith with the faith of God. And so you can be holy only in your beginning, only in your genesis. It's only possible from because you are from God and to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the defi- definition of holiness in our relationship with God it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions what does it make of itself what is it and how is the character of the love of God in holiness identified that is in the salt of the covenant. What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in our relationship with God and our relationship with men? It's written, do you not know that God gave David the throne, the kingdom, him and his sons forever because of the covenant of salt? And so to reign with your renewed mind over your body is possible because of salt of holiness. God makes a covenant of salt and we demonstrate this holiness upon the altar the salt we are salted and we receive the power to control our emotional aspect and to lead our emotional horse don't base anything upon what you feel but what you know this is information that you heard the the, the preached word and so we our faith is the soldier that obeys the commands of the captain Third, what price is necessary to be paid in order to demonstrate the love of God and holiness in order to collaborate with the holiness of God and by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have the presence of salt, of salt within ourselves indicating holiness. Specifically, the demonstration of the quality of holiness, identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to give God the proper foundation He needs to pour out His love into our heart and be a legit field in the relationship of God with man and man with God. That is, with your neighbor, man with man, and man with God. In a specific format, we already studied the identification of seven qualities of holiness as it pertains to our relationship with God and with each other. We stop now to study the purpose of holiness in our relationship with God and with each other. What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill within our relationship with God? Studying the purpose of the holiness of God, we will simultaneously be studying it with the purpose of the holiness of man. This is because specifically holiness is called to be the only legitimate field in our relationship with God and God with us. Therefore, the purpose of salt, which demonstrates itself in the holiness of the love of God, in our relationship with God, as well as in brotherly love, has multiple meanings, is multifaceted, and is multifunctional. Relevant to this, I will bring forth seven components included in the purpose of holiness, 
identifying the selective love of God by which we will be able to determine, although there are many more of them, by these seven we will be able to determine the purpose of holiness in any other specific format that make up our relationship with God. Considering that we have already studied three of the components of the purpose of holiness, we will continue on to the next component. And this is the fourth component within the purpose of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another. It's called to provide God the proper foundations that He can walk amongst His nation in order to separate us from foreign nations by the power of His holiness so that He can give us rain in its season so that our ground may yield its fruit and we can eat our bread until we are full and live upon our land safely. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of uh, vintage, and vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the the land of evil beasts. These evil beasts are all kinds of uh, viruses, illnesses, and the sword will not go through your land. I will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. And so, in order to achieve the goal, we need both sides. To achieve this goal, we need both sides, God and man, where each of the sides is called to fulfill their role that is implemented by God for himself as well as for the person who has made a covenant of peace with God. This covenant places responsibility upon man, and the responsibility consists in three parts. First, our camp needs to be holy so that God not find any unclean thing among us and turn away from us. We need to keep the Sabbaths of the Lord so that in this way we establish our covenant of peace that we have made with God. And third, we need to reverence our God's sanctuary with tithes and offerings according to the demands of His statutes. In a specific format, we already looked at the requirement of these three commandments, therefore we will immediately turn to the reward for fulfilling them. Because not having the given reward before the eyes of your heart and not understanding understanding the essence of its value, which we will be able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith, we will not have the proper foundation to know the demands of holiness. If there's no reward, seeing the reward, we will be able to pay, we'll be willing to pay the price, the appropriate price to receive that reward. In order to abide in them, in these requirements of holiness to protect ourselves from filth of the flesh and spirit in our personal essence and from what is unclean and shameful amongst people, those that have the look of godliness but have denied its godliness. 
The reward that will be given to man who will give God the proper foundation to demonstrate His holiness inside of them and outside of them in fellowship with one another, there are seven. The rewards. First, the Lord our God will walk amongst our camp in order to deliver us and to put the enemies into our hands. God will give rain to our land in its season and our land will yield produce. God will give us the opportunity and ability to eat bread until we are full and live in our land safely. Fourth, God will send in His peace upon our land. We will go to sleep and no one will make you afraid, as He will get rid of all of the evil beasts from your land. The sword shall not pass through your land and our enemies will fall before us by the sword. God will look upon us and He will make us fruitful and will increase us. God will be first and firm in His covenant with us and will place His dwelling place amongst us and His soul will not abhor us. The first component of our reward consists in that the Lord our God will walk amongst our camp in order to deliver us and to put our enemies into our hands. As much as we already know, the symbol of the camp amongst which the Lord God will walk in order to deliver us from our enemies and give them into our hands is the Church of Saints, who is led by a person that is clothed into the Holy Spirit and into the power of a Father from God. To examine such a person as to whether he is a Father from God is to be done by his moral compass and by his sermon, his wisdom that is in sermon that contains the fullness of the elementary teaching of Christ called to destroy the stronghold of death within our mortal body and erect the stronghold of life in its place. First, our enemies are our desires that war in us from the side of the old person. They war against our sacred person. Our enemies are fleshly Christians that continue in their own personal righteousness, in personal good work that come from the flesh, they reject righteousness that was given to them by faith. God walking amongst our camp is the vigilance of God in the temple of our body over His word that comes out of His mouth, coming therefore from our mouth so that it be immediately fulfilled. God is vigilant over His word in our mouth when we confess this word that we have put into our heart. He is vigilant in the temple of our body. Here is what Apostle John said about this, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, God walks in the light of His written word within the boundaries of His written word. And if we walk in this, <clears throat> these boundaries also, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so, we having fellowship with one another, that's brotherly love. And so, if we don't have this brotherly love, then when we repent in our sins, then the blood of Jesus Christ does... If we don't have this brotherly love and we try to repent, the blood of Christ can't cleanse us because it only cleanses us in the body. In the atmosphere of brotherly love, when we walk in the light in which God walks. God walks in the light of His written word. When he speaks his words, he voluntarily becomes a servant of his word. He places himself in dependence of his word, and he is vigilant over his word in our temple in order to fulfill it in the time that he has decided. 
and not that men have decided. Second component of our reward is that God will give rain to our land in its season and our land will yield produce. The symbol of the given reward is the promise that has grown in our heart by the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit that will make us living witnesses of God, stretching to the very ends of the earth until we see the Lord return for us so He can rapture us to heaven. Therefore, when this is, we're talking about the disciples, when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. While the Holy Spirit has not yet come upon you, you can't receive power. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the power that comes upon us so that we can be witnesses. It's talking about the individual Holy Spirit and not the gift. We're talking baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the guarantee. He gives our spirit the ability to speak angelic with angelic uh, an angelic language with God. But if we don't use it as as Rebecca did to go out from our nation if we remain in Mesopotamia as Laban did and Bethuel her father Rebecca's father who also received gifts just as Rebecca received but they didn't go anywhere they remained to live in that land same thing with the Christians they received the Holy Spirit they remain in their land they didn't understand why it was given to them Baptism is separation, that by the death of the Lord Jesus, you separate from your nation, the house of your father, and for your corrupt desires. And so only when we separate, we have cleansed our conscience from dead works and have put into it the fullness of the teaching of Jesus Christ. This allowed the Holy Spirit to come down with his power and make us witnesses, make us a light to the world, because a light to the world we become when... We become a tree of life that bears fruit 12 times a year and the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations. To heal nations is only by light. Apostle Paul called the leaves of the trees as shoes, the shoes you put on to... to it's not talking here about heaven because in heaven there's no need to heal anyone there's not going to be illnesses there and no one's going to be needed needing healing there or gifts of the holy spirit or anointing or blessing nothing will be need none of those will be needed in heaven god will become our temple and we his temple and so what is the new heaven and new earth this is the temple of god where we will live we will live in them and they in me this is a great mystery and very deep. And so, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. 
who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus was take, who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. This means that rapture will happen quietly and unnoticed. This, uh, when Jesus will come, to and the world will truly be shaken uh, that's different but rapture happens silently just as he left very silently and quietly uh, and not everyone knew about even you have to be a mount, uh, on the mountain and so upon this mountain uh, this is symbolic of course all these things are symbolic but we're saying that to bear Methuselah that drives away death that overcomes death upon the place where the stronghold of life will be erected and so rapture it's saying here that it will be in secret no one saw Jesus go up to heaven maybe about 50 people that had come together and they went upon the, mount, um, upon the mountain and he, before their eyes, went up and the cloud took the, him from their sight. The cloud of glory, also a symbol of the Church of Christ. God lives in this cloud. So you remember, a cloud is the glory of God. The Church is His glory. And God lives within that cloud. And this cloud took him. That that means that in heaven there's already a whole cloud of witnesses that came to greet Christ that was taken to heaven. Third component of our reward is that God will give us the opportunity and ability to eat bread until we are full and live in our land safely. With this, we can hear the sharp question, if God sent His rain upon our land in season and it has grown its wheat, why then are we not able to eat it until we are full? When I have millions and I earn and so forth, here's the reason why. For the most part, people are not able to eat the grown in the soil of their heart bread until they are full and live upon their land in safety consists in their incorrect motives. They have the wrong goals in them. When the revelation that is given for imperishable wealth is used by men to gain perishable wealth and personal public image. Here we're talking about heavenly bread, the word of God that abides forever. Everything dies, but the word of God that we have received abides forever. And when we separate with our body, the word of God that abides forever is still in our body and waits until God will speak to this word that's in our still our body and our body will then be restored because of the living word that lives in our body <clears throat> here's what ecclesiastes writes in the book of ecclesiastes 6 1 through 5 there is an evil which i have seen under the sun and it is common among men a man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires, yet God does not give him power to eat of it. Look at the uh, wealthy, uh, a lot of wealthy individuals. They have stomach uh, uh, problems. Even the yachts they have or clothing, they don't satisfy them, they don't please them. Food is not satisfying to him because they eat 
may, uh, very, you know, uh, soups maybe just to keep their stomach uh, healthy because they're not able to eat any, uh, other foods. But a foreigner consumes it, it says. This is vanity and it is an evil affliction. If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he. If he lived in such a terrible state always, then it's better that a stillborn child is better, for it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Though he has not seen the sun or known anything, this has been, this has more rest than that man. Here is what the same author writes about a different category of men that rarely seen are seen under the sun. Here's what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Here we're talking about imperishable wealth. When we hear the word of God and we receive it, why can some use them and others can't? Because one used the word of God for their popularity, it makes them more arrogant, it blows them up. But the others, they are satisfied with this truth because they are attempting to live by this truth, this truth because it becomes their food, becomes the bread that they eat until they're full, and because of this word they live in safety. Fourth component of the reward is that God will send His peace upon our land. We will go to sleep and no one will make you afraid. As He will get rid of all of the evil beasts from your land, the sword shall not pass through your land and our enemies will fall before us by the sword. The peace that is sent by God upon our land is a promise that belongs to our inheritance that is contained in the covenant of peace that God has made with Abraham. And so God can send such a peace upon our earth that is necessary to be with him in the covenant of peace that became the inheritance of Abraham by the means of the righteousness of his faith. The righteousness of the faith of Abraham consists in the fact that he believed the given to him by God promise and began to count himself dead to sin and living for God. He wasn't yet dead to sin, but he counted himself dead to sin and living for God and proclaiming, he began proclaiming the non-existent promise of the covenant of peace with God as existent and God accounted this to him as righteousness. He didn't feel anything physically. He was actually aging and he always had to say, he continued to have to say, I'm dead to sin, I live for God. He had to say, thank you, Lord, for the great inheritance you've given me, children-wise, in the number of stars, number of sand grains, I see my inheritance. He walked the earth as a foreigner and said, thank you uh, for this land, but he did not own any of it at the time. Any beast that God will get rid of from our land because our faith began to collaborate with the faith of God, these are our corrupt desires that come from the old person that lives within us, which is the programmable system of the fallen cherubim. And when evil beasts, which are corrupted lusts, are driven out from within our body, 
then the destructive sword of God's holiness will not have reason to strike our land. He strikes our land, our body, because we have the old person in it, the programmable system of the fallen cherubim. Just as in his time, the sword of the angel of death in the land of Egypt struck the firstborn, but only in those houses whose doors were not closed and there was no blood of the slain Passover lamb on doors applied with hyssop. The enemies that fell by the sword of the angel destroyer is that category of people that are in the midst of the holy nation, but do not count the blood of the covenant as holy and defend the spirit of grace. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, but only to those, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He wasn't thinking about these things. He wasn't basing everything on what was physically happening with him. He looked at who God was, who God, who God was to him, and who he was to God. He looked at the information that uh, that was given, and he spoke that information. And the scriptures say, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced God that He was able to uh, do what is promised, that He's able to perform it, and therefore it was accounted to Him for righteousness. Now, And it will be accounted to us also. Now it was written for His sake alone, not written for his sake alone, but it was inputted to him. But also for us, it shall be inputted to us who believe in him, who, ra who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Romans 4.13 and lower. And so it's not important what you feel right now and how devil has shackled you. You need to see that you're justified and you proclaim your justification that we died to sin live, and are living for God and death has no power over ourselves, the second death. Fifth component of the reward that is that God will look upon us and he will make us fruitful and will increase us. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you are hewn and to the whole of the pit from which you were dug. Here it's talking about the rock of Israel from which we are hewn. We are hewn from the death of Christ. Where are we drawn from? From the pit from which you were dug. 
Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, for I have called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Here we see Zion is in ruins. In ruins means an aging body that all kinds of viruses are attacking this body, has access to the body. But God says, as I comforted Abraham, I will comfort Zion. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. Not what you feel or what's happening to your body but or around your body, but that information that comes from my word. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, he says. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes, and so who will wait upon God as a coastland, that is, islands. This is a person who has salt in himself, who is holy. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look on the earth beneath. This is symbolically, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in, in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, not feel it, but know righteousness, you people in in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults, for the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool, but my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Sixth component of the reward is that God will be uh, firm in his covenant with with us and will place his dwelling place among us and his soul will not abhor us. Second Samuel 23, 3-7 three three The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me, and he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God, and he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by by clear shining after sun and the rain, although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation, all my desire. Will he not make it increase? My sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. We need to look at information that is contained in the God's covenant. The Rock of Israel spoke to me, it says. Rock of Israel spoke to me, who rules over men must be just. And so you need to rule in the fear of the Lord. But here he was a king over men. But we are kings over our bodies and those people that are our desires or our emotions they're called people but and so to rule over your emotions you need to rule correctly you need to rule in righteousness 
you don't need to hurt your emotions. It's enough that our emotions are hurt and uh, by one another because husband and wife, parents to children, children to parents, brother to brother, sister to sister, and so forth. We all inflict emotional pain. And we need to rule in such a manner over our feelings and not to inflict pain. We need to rule properly. We need to calm our feelings when they are wounded. You need to, uh, you need to nurse them and doctor them. And so when you proclaim the word that is concealed in your heart, it will also heal your feelings. You need to turn to them directly and say, calm down, You're, you will be healed because the Lord is on our side. Everything will be fine. Don't be afraid. I will lead you under the bridle into the Holy Land. And when you will speak this way, you will see how your emotions will be healed and will calm down. Seventh component of the reward is that God will walk amongst us and will be our God and we will be His nation. Leviticus 25:38. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And there are a lot of places like this. In what way does God become our God? How, how can we determine that? That He has le- uh, led us out of the land of Egypt. The land of Egypt is the land of slavery where we are forced to do what we didn't want to do. We were forced to build pyramids to Pharaoh to prepare clay and 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 gather straw and so forth and so if anyone was in Egypt or saw on TV when you see pyramids Israel built these pyramids and they were beaten when they were doing it they were abused they were mocked they were forced and they were forced to build this and so the old nature in man it forces the body and forces the body to work for it in its own favor but God led us out of Egypt he said consider yourself dead to sin living for God proclaim the not existent stronghold of life as existent this is being led out of the land of Egypt. This means God has led us out of Egypt, and it's not what we fear, it's feel, it's what we know. We all together came out of Egypt because we all received justification freely by grace and have are being are turning our silver, our investment into profit, proclaiming that not existent as existent, and God accounts this to us as righteousness. And it's not important what we feel right now, what state we may be in, what kind of loss we may experience in our account upon our account in Jesus Christ and this account is in our heart is God's promise of a very surprising healing from all illnesses, all weaknesses right now we will pray and may the Lord bless us let us resist the corruption in the body sin in the body, lusts, desires, destruction and God will reveal His mercy only the words that we confess, who we are to God, who He is for us, what He's done for us, 
God can become then for us and perform full victory in us and heal us. Let us pray. May the Lord bless us. I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe the fact that God is on your side. He is your protector. He is your father. He is your friend. He loves you. He sees that you are in a difficult situation. You're in a tight situation. He sees that you're bound by lusts, ambitions, desires. But he does not condemn you for that because you suffer and you don't you want to be free and you came here to so that he may show his mercy and so he's on your side close your eyes this is your room lift your hands to God this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you you see my wounded heart that is deeply wounded because of my lusts, because of my desires. I hate these lusts and desires that are within my body, that war within my body. May they be cursed, may they be destroyed. Deliver me from slavery. Destroy these shackles. Lead me into the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. I accept that truth, that word. I enter into your temple. I enter into your kingdom. I proclaim it as existent in my body. May your favor be upon me and may illnesses and weaknesses be cursed in my body in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed. I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains, the promises of God that He has kept for you in your heart that you have concealed and may it be upon you the blessing of the everlasting hills the co- an eternal covenant God made with you may this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say Amen 
The Lord be blessed and the Father who is vigilant over His word in the temple of our body so that it be perfectly fulfilled what you have received into your heart. Keep it very clear so that the reader in his time will be able to easily read it. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen please be seated I have an announcement to make I would like to call forth Baghdad and Anastasia, in order to announce them as bride and groom. This is a blessing of God that we're able to hear the voice of the groom and the voice of the bride, and that it's happening in the body of Christ and not somewhere else. Not from somewhere else do we bring these husbands and wives but in the church, I thank these saints of ours. I've talked to them, and they have their instruction, and they know how to behave. Uh, thank you. You may take your seats. We congratulate you. In expectation of the covenant that you need to receive then during the wedding.